0: everybody welcome to sunday service august 7th 2022 what an amazing year this has been we set out to buy 500 doors this year and we will end up buying close to 900 doors this year in fact cody and i are flying out to charlotte north carolina on tuesday morning i wonder if you're on my same flight are you on my same flight
1: I was, but Don said you were changing yours. So I don't, I don't know what flight it's at 640 AM. So if that's yeah, I'm, still I'm, the same you day. and
0: I are on the same flight, I'm changing my flight home. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to a mastermind with Grant Cardone. There's like seven of us meeting with Grant for three days, talking it, multifamily stuff. Ooh. So this is multifamily week, dog. You and I are going out to Charlotte. We've got a 408 unit deal. We closed on about 60 days ago, but we're going to go out, tour the property. We're taking our investors out there with us. So we should have a good time. And it's very pertinent, very timely that you and I are going to be doing a an episode tonight on multifamily, creative finance, investing strategy. So um, also last week, closed on a 43 unit seller finance, 50 year note, zero down, 4% interest, multifamily deal. Got another one, 30 unit deal, Corpus Christi. I think it was um, 5% down to the seller. 4% interest with a 50-year note. That just closed last week as well. Um, Got a 105-unit deal in Louisiana. Seller finance, $13 million. Only needed $2 million to close it. Seller finance, multifamily is dominating the space right now. Cody and I, you even sent me over a deal uh, last night Where was that deal?
1: I was in. uh, It was a fifty unit in, or no, sixty four units in Amarillo, Texas. Why aren't we buying that? We're looking at it. We're uh, we're getting a walkthrough set up this week, and we're gonna. uh, Heidi on the
0: team's gonna verify the numbers on it this week. Amazing. So, guys, as you can tell, Cody and I are heavy in multifamily. We don't talk about about it as much as um, we'd like because I think our audience is more interested in it than necessarily ready for it. The most important thing in multifamily, even creative finance multifamily, is the ability to raise capital, okay? So we try and teach you guys how to raise capital a lot more frequently. In fact, we've got a special guest tonight. Uh, Cody Davis is going to be coming on here in a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking to him about multifamily creative finance. But before we do that, I want to bring on Ingrid. Ingrid, I'm going to send you a text for for the show. We're going to give you a bit, a little bit of love today. I know Ingrid was already hanging out with me today. Um, I did an eight-hour live stream, you know, as we do. That was crazy. I wo- I looked up and I was like, oh, damn, I've been live streaming for eight hours talking to people about the deals that they're doing. Um, so, Ingrid, I'm sending you the StreamYard link. Come back, hang out with Cody and I. We got to underwrite a deal with Ingrid before we started talking about multifamily She's got a sub two deal in surprise that I keep trying to convince her to just sell to Cody and I, because we know how to handle this deal. She's got a sub two deal, surprise Arizona, that has a solar lease on the house that the solar Mm. lease will not allow for an assumption of the loan, the the solar loan. Um, So I said, just buy it on an agreement for sale. Then that way you don't have to assume anything the, the, everything can stay in the seller's name. You just control the deed. You control the deal. You just don't transfer the deed into your name. So buy it on an agreement for sale. And so um, she's not convinced she should sell it to us. Um, I'm convinced she should sell it to us. What's up, Ingrid? Hey, you just had dinner with me.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Guys, I this, so I just took this lady and my lady on a date. Her husband was there too. He's amazing. And super handsome. True. Um, And you've got a deal we want to underwrite and talk about, right? Yeah. Tell tell me about it.
2: Well, um, so the sellers are leaving their active duty soldiers. Well, the husband is. The wife um, is a stay-at-home wife. Uh, He'll be going to Korea. Uh, He actually deploys tomorrow. Air Force. uh, Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, she will be moving to Hawaii, I think with his uh, mom to have the kids there and whatnot.
0: So Love it. I that's where I used to eat Mexican food for two years when I lived in Korea. I was like, I need Mexican food because Korea does not have Mexican food anywhere. They do, they could not care. They think root beer tastes like medicine. So like, you can't get root beer there. You can't have Mexican food there. So I'm like, I need a place to get some Mexican food. <laughs> the air force base was the only place I could go get Mexican food. And what do you think I ate when I went to the Air Force Base for Mexican food? Tacos? Taco Bell. Oh. (laughs) Taco Bell was the best Mexican food I had for two years. And coming from Arizona, where we have the best, better than California, way better than Texas. You guys in Texas think you have good Mexican food? You guys have trash Mexican food. It's trash. California? It's all right. Arizona, the best Mexican food.
2: What's your okay. best what's your favorite Mexican restaurant in Arizona?
0: I can't tell you that, Ingrid. All right. I'll take you there. I'll take you we need to do more deals together and mm-hmm. I'll take you to the, my Mexican spot.
2: <laughs>
3: okay. Ingrid I and I
0: ju- Ingrid and I just left a property and I was like, "Oh, hey, let's do a deal together. If we do a deal together, then maybe we can go eat some Korean food together." If we do multiple deals together, I take you to my favorite Mexican food spot. All right. Is this
2: how you're gonna try to get to to buy a surprise?
0: Exactly. I'm pre framing. <laughs> I'm pre the pitch.
2: Oh, all right. Good job. You must okay. So the- you've
0: got you've got a seller active duty, going to the Air Force. He's getting deployed to um, Incheon, mm-hmm. South Korea Air Force Base. His wife and his kid are gonna go to Hawaii to live with their family, so they don't have to live on base in Korea and they're like, we can't hold this house. We want to get rid of it. And so they're open to selling it sub two. Have you gotten the house under contract yet? Or are you still in negotiations?
2: No, we're under contract. Mm-hmm.
0: And how do you need us to send you the assignment paperwork or do you want to send the assignment paperwork? What do you want to do? Uh,
2: I just want to make sure I'm not making bad decisions because I feel like this is me. Like I, I feel like maybe I did... Overpromise on the underwriting because of that solar lease
0: you did i think you over i think you overpromise, and you just need to sell it to your buddy pace
2: <laughs> and
0: solve the um okay so In- ingrid let's talk about it so don't Go give ahead. me the address obviously oh, well, but let's talk about um one thing i care very little about do i care about the purchase price ingrid no not really right i don't really care about the purchase price what I care about is what is my P-I-T-I more than anything? What is that? Uh,
2: 2005.
0: Okay. So our 2005 P-I-T-I for anybody that's brand new, that's principal, yeah. interest, taxes, insurance. That's my total payment um, for the, the mortgage that I'm going to take over subject to. So I take this over subject to, I have a monthly payment of 205. The next thing I care about is my possible income.
1: What is my possible income? Ingrid, would you mind putting in the private chat? Do not put it in the comment section, but the private chat, the address, and then I'll, I was going to pull it up while,
0: uh, while we're going through it. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. All right. Give well, me give, what's 10%. my possible income. Yeah.
2: Um, so on a yearly basis, it's, uh, 81,000. Okay. I'm
0: going to assume this is like a short-term rental n- number, 81,000.
2: Oh yes, I'm sorry. Yes, that's what I was underwriting it for.
0: Okay, so yearly income eighty-one thousand yeah. dollars. Yearly outflow it looks like about twenty-five thousand dollars. So right out of the get-go, I'm like that is tasty. Okay, once I know this, my possible gross cash flow is fifty. What is that? Fifty-five thousand, fifty fifty-six thousand dollars. So my gross cash flow on this property is $56,000 thousand dollars. That's pretty dope. Now, the next thing I care about is what is my entry fee? Don't send me a sub two deal, guys, if you don't know what entry fee is. Just go to YouTube and type in Pace Morby Entry Fee and it'll teach you all the things. So let's go through it. Sellers are getting how much cash?
2: $20,000 down payment.
0: Okay. And then are there any arrears? No arrears. Any liens?
2: They have two liens, the solar loan and the water, a water softener loan, which I don't know how you would want to account for that right now.
0: If it was me, if it was me, I'd say zero, because if I were you, I would buy this on an agreement for sale, not subject to.
2: Okay. So let's walk through that. Mm -hmm.
0: We're walking through it. So 20,000, I would not pay off the arrears and liens immediately out of my pocket. Mm-hmm. because i would take it over on an agreement for sale for anybody that doesn't know what an agreement for sale is type in pace morby agreement for sale on youtube it'll answer your question okay sellers cash 20 grand arrears liens ingrid when you assign this deal to me what are you assigning it to us for
2: uh, there is no assignment fee this came from me being a um uh, a listing agent 20- no when you <laughs> assign
0: it to us what are you charging <laughs> us for an assignment fee <sighs>
2: Zero. I'm keep, I have to keep this bad boy.
0: Okay. So she's going to keep this deal. Let's see if I can can convince her otherwise.
2: You know, let's see, let's talk about it.
0: Okay, cool. So you've got zero rears, zero assignment. If you buy it on an agreement for sale. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you've got your closing costs on an agreement for sale. You still go through closing to do an agreement for sale. Uh So you're probably going to spend somewhere around, I'm going to guess 4,000 bucks, something like that.
2: That's exactly what I put 4k. In my essay. I know I
0: cheat. I cheat, Cheated. I looked at your notes.
2: Oh, did you?
0: <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, seller. Okay, great. Now I've got, got, got my two re-
2: months closing. Uh, excuse me, two months uh, holding costs. Just.
0: Oh, that's number six. You're skipping ahead.
2: Oh. oh, forgive me.
0: You're too smart. Mm. Okay, so with your renovation, what is my renovation?
2: So renovation right now is. I don't think I have that number. Seven thousand for floor, a washer and dryer, fifteen hundred.
0: You're making oh. me do math. What's my total?
2: Sorry, I'm. In total, we have, we'll say eight thousand.
0: Eight thousand dollars total oh. for oh. renovation.
2: I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Seven plus three is ten. Fourteen thousand.
0: Okay, love it.
2: Um, just one call out. They had an HOA violation. And so they're willing to pay for the um, outside painting job. So to reduce their seller's down payment.
0: I love it. Okay, cool. So we got a renovation at 14000 Now we are, we call this the runway, right? We've got a couple of months of payments while we get this thing ready for Airbnb. So a couple of months of payments, our payments obviously are, we already talked about this, 2005. I'm going to take $2,005 and I'm going multi- to multiply that by three. Why three? Well, because I'll do two of those multiplications come from the monthly payments. And then the uh, the third one is for utilities and landscape maintenance and miscellaneous things. So that's going to be $6,015 for payments and maintenance for three months, or I'm sorry, for two months for me to take care of this property while it's vacant.
2: Mm-hmm. Finally,
0: I have got my Flash. cost of filling the property, right? That could be filling it up. If you're in furnishing, if you're an Airbnb, if it's just a rental is just paying a realtor for the rental. Um, what would be our cost for the Airbnb? It's 2,800 square feet, right?
2: Yeah. So
0: 25,000, $25,000. Okay. Damn. So let's add this up. 20 grand, uh, 38,000, 44,000. $64,000. $69,000. That's a pretty high entry fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I've got my entry fee. Now, Ingrid, if you go raise this private capital from one of your private money lenders, what would you expect to pay on an interest rate for that $69,000? 10%.
2: Okay.
0: So at 10%, let's do the math. $69,000 times uh, 10% is $6,900 per year. Let's divide that by 12 monthly payments equals how many, how many dollars?
2: 575.
0: 575. I like this. Okay. So now this is how you underwrite a creative finance deal guys. So we already know what the gross spread is. It's $56,000 gross. Okay. Cause we've got monthly payment of 2005 potential yearly income of 81,000 means our gross spread every single year is 56,000 and out of that $56,000, we're going to take our $6,900 of hard money payments that we're paying our private money lender, and we are at $49,100. Um, is that is the gross spread before vacancy, um, repairs, oh, crap budget, right? Right? I like this. I I like, I like this number. It looks like if you took out vacancy repairs or crap budget and you kind of normalize it, it looks like this property should cash flow between $1,500 to $2,500 net depending on how conservative or how accurate that um, air DNA estimate of $81,000 per year is. Mm -hmm. I like it. Is this kind of the number you came up with?
2: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So why haven't you assigned this deal to us? (laughs)
2: because <laughs> I've, uh, I've been trying to figure out how do I uh, address the solar loan um,
0: okay so your <laughs> number one problem is you have a solar loan that is saying we do not want anyone to take this over we don't want any assumptions
2: yeah how uh, much is only, the solar only, loan only owner, owner occupied um, the okay. solar loan is 40200
0: okay great So this is pretty simple. If it was me, I would buy this property on an agreement for sale and I would raise my $69,000 and I would attach my $69,000 as a second lien position and I would have the seller sign off on that.
2: So one thing we didn't talk about is, yes, they're getting $20,000 in the entry fee, but one other thing that that they'd like to see is um, negotiated a hundred thousand dollar balloon payment when in five years. Okay, so that's I don't mind one. That. okay. And then, as long as
0: as long as the balloon has what on it,
2: uh, the requirement of what the house should appreciate for.
0: Yeah, I would I would tell them that you want an auto extension if the house does not appraise for what your original purchase price was.
2: Right now. Um, what I, even in an agreement for sale though, so like they, they wouldn't be in second lien position though, right? The PML would be in third.
0: The PML would be in third position. That is correct. Because your, your $100,000 balloon payment would be in second position. Right. Yep.
2: And what about the solar loan and the water softener?
0: Um, are those currently leaned against the property? Yes. Yeah. So then your private money lender would actually be in what position? Fourth. Fifth. No, fifth. Your private money lender would be in fifth position.
2: Mm-hmm. There you go. So that's what I've been trying to overcome. Is like, how do you?
0: You don't overcome that. You just do it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's not really much to overcome in that situation. You just do the deal, and you put your private money lender in fifth position. What is what does your private money lender care whether they're in second position or fifth position?
2: So mine actually does because he's an investor. He doesn't get a different pay. one. Yeah okay
1: here's another crazy idea do you have another property that you own that you could throw a second position Ooh. on of his money where he would be in second position cody freaking i
0: don't know why you got to give her the answer before <laughs> i get her to conv- to give us the deal bro
2: um no actually i don't have a property where i don't have at least a second lean position in. i second- do <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
0: God. So this is this is an interesting thing, right? So, like, Cody and I have um, a deal. I actually pulled it up earlier today on that big long hour, like, long eight-hour deal. Mm-hmm. A deal that Cody – I don't know what you and I are going to do with that deal, Cody, but it's interesting that on um, 6761 West Sonnet Drive, we have roughly $250,000 in equity on this deal. I'll pull it up for just a moment.
1: I want to sell that and then 1031 it into something else.
0: Why? Offline conversation. I mean, I, it's got a 2% seller finance deal, bro. That balloon. It has a balloon on it though. Yeah. That goes three more years.
1: Yeah. So we have three more years. I mean, we could, I guess, you know, if the, if prices continue to go up, I mean, that's the, like we could sell it. Like what I just see is like, okay, okay. Could we take that $250,000 and use that as a down payment on a million-dollar building?
0: Oh, Cody's wanting to go commercial on this thing.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: What if What if we keep the property and we use our private money lender and put them in second position on the Sonnet Drive deal so that we can get this deal from Ingrid? <laughs> so... See, uh- A lot of people ask Ingrid, why do you not sometimes, sometimes why we won't refinance out our houses, right? So we've got $250,000 in equity on this one property out of lots of properties we own. Another one we have that's really good. I've thought about refinancing this one too. This one is interesting too because look at the equity we have on this one. This one's almost $300,000 just on this one property. But why I don't want to refinance this is because it's 19 years into its amortization schedule. So right now it's like, you're going to kill it, that amortization at this point, it's basically principal only is hammering down this 372. So I'm like, you know what? I don't really care for that 300. I can use that 300 as a way to sponsor my way into multifamily deals. And, um, then the, um, equity actually becomes useful to me. So that would be a good solution for you or maybe bring out a partner that could do that for you.
2: Um, do you know Hung Mai?
0: I know Hung Mai very well.
2: So uh, he is uh, another really amazing person in the Airbnb space. And um, he, Very
0: much. He just got his first sub two deal closed the other day.
2: In New Orleans. Yeah, I I so know. proud of him. Um, so he was going to help with private money on this. So one of the things that we were going to, not him, himself, he has raised So one thing we were thinking about is just clearing that solar lien and then at least we would um, then be able to do sub two on this. Because part of this is also like, how do we offset money we've made this year with Mm -hmm. depreciation? And so um, that for me has been somewhat of a priority um, in trying to figure this out.
0: If I could show you how to figure that out, the secret to that, without paying off the solar lease, would you sell the deal to me?
2: <laughs> Would I partner with you?
0: Oh, I see. I see where she's going with this. Um, I, here's what I'll do, Ingrid. This week, I oh. will show you how to overcome the non fee title of an agreement for sale, what that brings to you, and, and your inability to utilize depreciation on the asset. And I will show you how to overcome that even through an agreement for sale.
2: Mm. Okay. What I was thinking, somebody else gave me an idea of doing a um, self-performing on this, but with no experience, I'm just like I'm scared of screwing something
0: up. You, I mean, have my team do it and just assign it to us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) How how am I supposed to become a full-time real estate investor? uh,
0: Dude, you made plenty of money this last year. Let me make a few bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh lord. Yeah. Oh this is a great deal. I if I were you, um, if you have the cash to to pay off the solar lien, that's one way. But for me, I would again, it's like long term, what are we really doing here? We are crowdsourcing our retirement from our tenants and our clients.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? That's what we're doing. We're we're basically saying, I don't want to re I don't want to retire on my own. Well, pace, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna retire? I'm going to go enlist like 900 tenants and I'm going to convince them to go to their nine to five job and come and pay me rent. And that's going to pay for my paying off my debts, giving me all these tax benefits and then giving me retirement. So essentially holding this property long-term and letting your tenant or your client, if it's an Airbnb, pay off that solar lease, I would rather go that route than go raise the $40,000 that paid off in cash. If I can show you how to get your depreciation, even through an agreement for sale, that probably is the right way to go.
2: Okay. Yeah. That would have been my hurdle is, uh, how do you, how do or you. Or a
0: self-performing would be perfectly fine too. A self-performed deal would be perfectly fine. You just go to a title company, pull um, title, make sure you're good. Go self perform it. Go right down to the county recorder's office. An agreement for sale is going to get recorded against the property anyway. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, Ingrid. Do you think a solar company is going to find out if you have put have transferred deed on this property?
2: I assume not.
0: Zero point zero percent in like possibility that's ever going to happen. Yeah. Uh. Brian cow says Ingrid is fending off pace. Like she's getting hit on. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: This is, this is what happens when you have a deal, guys. Buyers want your deal.
2: Mm. Any yeah. PMLers out there, you come reach out to me. Yeah,
0: you this want. is why she wanted to come on Sunday service. She wanted to raise capital.
2: No, you just, uh, I, well, no, I was trying to figure out if it's a deal.
0: It's a deal. Cody, yeah. what are your thoughts on this deal? I know you've pulled it up. Do you like this deal? I haven't looked at the house.
1: Yeah, I mean, just looking at uh, the location, it's it's interesting because we have a house that is two miles north, four miles east of there. That's a three bed, two bath. It's an El Mirage, um, and that property is you know three two seventeen hundred square feet, and it's done thirty five thousand eight hundred in revenue this year. So. How much? You know, what? How much? 35800 in revenue. That's, you know, that's the gross. That's not including, like, our, you know, our costs and everything. But, you know, it's pretty pretty good.
2: So you're making about 15000 net, maybe 14000 net?
1: Yeah, depending on how, how this fall shakes out to be.
2: So um, I did my homework on this with Hung. Like, there's hotels being built right next to it. There's um, a couple of comps that are also generating very similar revenue, um, and so we feel we can compete with them. Um, and long term, switching some things like putting turf in the backyard instead of gravel and have it mm-hmm. more more fun space, like it, it would attract more folks to go there. And with Super Bowl around the corner, this property is uh, 20 minutes away from um, the Cardinal Stadium. Mm-hmm. And there's some sort of NCAA tournament. Um, happening. I don't know if it's the tournament, but something's happening yeah. this year, and so we felt like the fall and early um, uh, or late winter, technically, would do well.
1: There's a popular tennis training facility over there that a lot of people travel into town to go to as well in that area. Um, the so, how does this deal shake out if Airbnb didn't work and it had to be a rental?
2: So, if we had a ha- if we had it be a rental, um, the cash flow. It wouldn't be as attractive. We would still be able to rent it for around thirty one, thirty two hundred, um, and then we wouldn't have all the maintenance and utility piece to it. So mm-hmm. um, the spread is only like seven hundred, I believe. Um, okay. So the cash flow would be minimal, but it, at least it's cash flow <laughs> um, yeah. a bowl. Corporate lease would be where I would go before I would go long term because yeah. um, it's next to um, again commercial. Um, Uh, businesses and you have Luke Air Force just a mile away.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. The reason that I was asking for everyone listening is don't buy an Airbnb. Don't buy a property you're planning to turn into an Airbnb if that's the only way the deal works. If you were going to be in a bad negative cash flow situation, if God forbid there is like a legislation issue or the HOA required you to shut it down, you got to have a backup. So That's, that's good that you already checked that. That's awesome.
2: Okay.
0: What do you want to do, Ingrid? (laughs)
2: Um, I want to
0: continue to to, you want to continue to play hardball with your homie pace and you want to go and potentially do this with hung mine. By the way, you got a lot of people, Julie Burkhart, who I love. She's great. You've got Cassandra J who says she, she can potentially help. You've got, um, ramon says how much money do you need um see here's the thing about jody evans who i love he's an amazing man up in uh utah super badass like if you if anybody challenged him to a wrestling match you're losing guaranteed okay actually ingrid you and i were talking about this guy um earlier tonight at dinner is rip from yellowstone that's jody evans jody evans is freaking rip from uh yellowstone. Yes. <laughs> And he's got money. I know he's got money. He's involved in a, a project with me in Kansas city. Um, he's got moola, So he's a good person to link in with. He's a sub two student, amazingly supportive, very smart. He's a guy. In fact, Ingrid, have you not become friends with Jody Evans yet?
2: I don't know who Jody Evans is.
0: Jody Evans is in the sub two mentorship. You need to get to know him tonight. You should, you should find out. I will send you his info. You should text him.
2: Yeah. Well, if, if you were thinking about, um, Buying this from me, what would it be worth to you?
0: Um, strong manipulation for a 0% assignment fee.
2: So you want That's me to joke. be a 50, 50, 50 partner without an assignment fee? Is that mm. what
0: you're is, is, are you saying you would potentially 50, 50 with us on this?
2: Uh If you took care of all the funding and all the paperwork.
0: Hmm. I'll have to get. I got to talk to my underwriter and get back to you on that.
2: So, what's it going to take for you to make a decision tonight?
0: Um, You got to talk to my integrator partner,
2: Uh, Mr. Barton. I'll
0: I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you know when I get a hold of him. I'm.
2: I'm just throwing you the the sales pitches that we have to give sellers.
0: I love it. (laughs) I I, look anything that we can buy in Arizona. I want to buy in Arizona. I love it and. Um, is there the, there's a balloon on the hundred K, right? As long as the balloon, what's that? What year is that? It's five years, years. five Five years. years. Mm -hmm.
2: But that's actually one piece that I was thinking about negotiating down. If I have to do something about the solar loan. So I was going to use that as a leveraging point because we can't, if we can't just, you know, do sub two just the way it is. So, and explain it to them, right? Um, So that they understand that I'm not just like blowing smoke. One of the things that we were going to do with them is start building reserves. And then, you know, um, I'm not sure about the restructuring. This is the part that um, I would hate to refinance this because uh, this is a 2.72, I think, interest rate.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. These freaking VA loans are tasty.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. On, I think their balance right now is four twenty three, and again the ARV as it stands is around six eleven.
1: So the four twenty three mm-hmm. plus the hundred thousand balloon plus the twenty thousand to them is essentially the purchase price. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of VA loans.
0: Um, what'd you can say? Got a lot of those VA loans. Can me and my wife talk about it, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. Yes. Love it.
2: All right. Well, thank you for this opportunity. Love you both.
0: I love you. You're amazing. Thank you're you. you're greatly appreciated. We uh, uh, this whole community appreciates you. You're amazing. Thank you. Look at you, dude! Like freaking crushing it and being a badass all the time.
2: <laughs> Send me more creatives.
0: Who has problems in their business? You guys need to reach out to Ingrid Hernandez. She's amazing. She will help you. She will talk to sellers. Um, if your sellers speak Colombian. She'll speak Colombian to them.
2: Oh my God. Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> you see how <laughs> cultured I am. I, mm-hmm. will speak Korean.
0: <laughs> um, I don't speak Korean anymore. Oh. I do. I, I do speak Korean, I, and what's fun? It, I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed because of how good I am at it. That people actually <laughs> think people actually think I'm Korean when they hear me speak. It's crazy. Oh.
2: <laughs> Cody, you have to be speaking Spanish now, right?
0: Uh here, uh Maso Menos. In his, in his, in his <laughs> house, him and his girlfriend only speak Spanish to each other. It's amazing.
2: Absolutely, Alan. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I wish I spoke more Spanish with my children. So that's what I need to focus on next.
0: Yes, you do. Um. Ooh, this is interesting. Willa Yarzo says, "I didn't know you were Colombian too, Ingrid."
2: We were talking earlier today.
0: He's amazing. You gotta He's got to love him.
2: Portfolio that he's trying to do a Morby method on. And so it's yes. kind of coaching him on that.
0: Um, Ingrid, you're amazing.
2: All right. Thank you.
0: We appreciate you. Okay, guys, we are going to jump into c- talking creative finance and multifamily. We wanted to jump in here, and give uh Ingrid a little bit of love, ing- underwrite a deal with you guys. Um, Bandit Bus Adventures. Here's the challenge. Okay. The advice I give you guys is not the advice I always follow for myself. Do you know why that's the case? Is because when you first start in your business, you're always going to do things different than the way you do them in year two, year three, year five, year seven. So if I was on my YouTube channel and I was giving people in year one or just starting out in creative finance year five or year seven advice, I would be doing you a disservice. So just remember, as a beginner, that's typically what is on my YouTube channels for people that are kind of in the beginning stages of their journey. Um, so I appreciate the question. Mr. Cody Davis, we, we hey. delayed you to build hype, bro. We've got well over 500 people on here waiting to hear about multifamily creative finance, bro. What have you been up to in your business? I know you just got your driver's license, but you're also buying deals. So tell us all about it, bro. Where do you live? Where are you working? What are you focusing on? Why is multifamily the way to go? Let's hear it.
3: Yeah, so I'm based out of uh, Renton, Washington. Grew up in Tacoma, just south of Seattle area. And over the past two and a half years, picked up 105 rental units with about 10 grand out of pocket. Um, Not syndicating, just picking up. uh, Every single deal has been seller financed. And uh, yeah, your point got my driver's license a few years ago.
0: (laughs) Amazing. I told you guys, I told you guys, he just got his driver's license. So that shows you what's possible. So very young guy out of Tacoma, Washington. Some people would say that Tacoma, Washington is the armpit of Washington. I don't disagree with them, but also Washington's way prettier than your state. So the armpit of their state is way prettier than the armpit of yours. Okay. I can tell you that that much right now. Um, I'm actually moving to Tacoma, Washington in October for 30 days. Um, I'm going to be living there for 30 days as a challenge to show people how to start your business from scratch in a market you've never done a deal in. Um, So I moved there October 4th, and I stay there all the way until November 4th. So if you guys are in the audience, Caroline Allen says, who says that? Everybody that lives in Washington, everybody that lives in Seattle says, oh, Tacoma? (laughs) am i wrong cody doesn't don't people in seattle say that about tacoma tacoma's not great
3: not gonna sugarcoat
0: it there's certain parts of tacoma (laughs) that are not great but overall i think tacoma is pretty special
1: our tacoma viewers just dropped
0: i know we just lost (laughs) we just lost uh two viewers i love it okay so cody davis let's let everybody in the side chat let's make sure you guys ask some questions we'll jump into multifamily so cody where are you finding these seller finance multifamily deals? Where are they coming from?
3: Yeah. So I find all my deals off of Google maps. I realized at 19 that every deal I wanted to buy was on this magical map called Google maps. And so wow. I would just figure out who on the property, call them up and learn their story.
0: I love it. So when you call them up, do you say, Hey, my name's Cody Davis. I have no money and I want to buy your property. What do you, what's your opening line? What are you saying to these people?
3: No. So I actually don't try to buy anybody's property. Uh, I just call them up say, hey, I, uh, I'm Cody, saw you in 12plex, never done anything like that before. Curious how you got started. And I'm not trying to buy. I found the story is worth more than the real estate. And so I don't ask anybody to sell to me. It's just I, I really want to know how they built what they built because I can go repeat that elsewhere.
0: I, I love that. That's a great strategy. I think there's, there's a lot of people that are crushing this on YouTube and TikTok, just going to people and saying, how did you become wealthy, right? There's a guy that door knocks people in wealthy neighborhoods and just says, what do you do for a living? And it's crazy the answers you get. Very few of them are saying, I'm a doctor. <laughs> a, a lot of them are saying, I'm in real estate. So what are you finding? What kind of stories you're hearing, Cody? Give us some, some insight here.
3: Yeah. So I've heard a lot of different stories. Um, none of them have come from money. So one of the stories I learned, there was a, a gentleman who ended up selling me about 20 rentals and he moved from out of country. He's Persian and he came to the United States. He ended up in central Washington and got into construction. and He started out with a seller finance sixplex, and he put nine grand down and That was a relatable point because at the time I had bought a 12-plex that was on the market. And so I bought that and we related on the seller finance piece. And later I learned that he he put nine grand down, which was 10% way back when, early 2000s. And um, shortly thereafter, he bought a duplex. He traded his car as the down payment. So, I I mean, I've learned Mm -hmm. from people that have had absolutely nothing and they built it to multiple eight, if not nine-figure portfolios.
0: I love it. Freaking love it. Okay. So you're building relationships with these people. Are you typically getting into these deals with no money um, down or are you raising private money for your down payments?
3: So I've done both through meeting with some of these people. I've learned about uh, hundred percent seller financing where they put a 90% first on the asset you're buying and a 10% second on something else you own. You can't do that when you don't own anything in day one. But my very first deal was a very conventional zero down it was 90% seller finance, 10% second from a hard money lender who was willing to go into second position. 30-year uh, note, fully amortized, no balloon.
0: That's that for the seller market. finance portion, but the hard money lender was not amortized, right?
3: Right. That was a IO loan at 12%, and that was a one-year balloon. I ended up extending it after a year because I realized it was hard to pay off that money when you don't have a job.
0: And yeah, that's <laughs> a, that's a tough deal to get into, but I I like that you still got into it and you still had the gumption to, to go through and then go and extend it. How did you end up yes. paying that off? Cause a tw- what was that? What How big was that deal?
3: That was a, uh, it was 125 grand as the, the 10% down. I bought it for a million one twenty five, but I raised a little bit extra and second for closing costs and a little bit of reserves. I had like five grand in reserves going into the deal. Okay. So, um, did you put your,
0: did you put your seller, your essentially your private money lender? Did you put them in a situation where your private money lender, not your private money lender, but your hard money lender, they come in second position with 10% down, which was your 125,000. If you defaulted, were they in a position where they just took over the property? And if you didn't pay off their balloon, they would just take over the property. Is that what enticed them to do that for you? Yeah. I
3: just signed a deed in lieu. And the fact that it was a 30 year fully amortized note was hard to get. My first deal was a 12plex. So it's it's difficult to get 30 year fully amortized conventionally in that situation. So they were willing to sign forward and I would just sign it over if I failed to pay him back.
0: So they were excited because they were like, they kind of have this, th- this model that's basically the loan to own model, which is I'm going to give you a loan and I kind of hope that I end up owning this property. So we call it the loan to own model, that the structure of the deal was so good that they're like, oh, this is an easy slam dunk deal. We'll make 12% interest. And if this kid defaults, we get to just take over this tasty deal. Right. Amazing. So how did, how did you end up paying them $125,000 off? Because a t- little 12-plex like that would be a really hard t- thing to pay off over a year.
3: Right. So it took two years. I had to extend once. Uh, since I extended, I would bought another 18 rentals and amongst the equities that I'd built in it, I was able to pull from that and pay off the obligation of the hard money note.
0: Okay. Love it. So you, you use the profits and the equity of another deal, the other 18 to essentially pull out equity, then pay that person off. I love it. Right. Great. Love it. So where, where, what are you doing now? What do you focus? What's your goal for the rest of the year? What are you trying to acquire a certain number? Are you going after a certain type of deal? What are you liking?
3: Yeah. So, um, In the last 12 months, I I picked up another 75 rentals, and uh, I did that with about 10 grand out of pocket. Right now, I'm working on more fun deals. I truly believe the story is worth more than the real estate, and so I'm I'm seller financing a a Disney resort. It was built by the Disney set crew in 1934. It's waterfront, A-class property here in Washington, uh, where I'm born. Everything I own is in Washington. And um, I'm going to buy the the resort. It's a million bucks down. And that's the deal I'm going to use to close out the year.
0: Amazing. So is it a multifamily deal or is it just like a resort or what is it?
3: Yeah. So it's just a resort. It's, uh, it's a class cabins. It's on the water. It's outside. I don't know how familiar you are with Washington, but it's, it's close to gig Harbor area.
0: Oh, gig Harbor. Yeah. It's gorgeous there. We've got yeah, one of our team members is there.
3: It's Absolutely beautiful. Um, a lot nicer than Tacoma. Oh yeah, but, Gig Harbor is uh,
0: amazing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So it's close to Gig Harbor. It's eighteen cabins. It's got a triplex, two houses, which are cabins, and um, yeah, it, it should be a fun one. But that's going to be the deal that I end up the year on. I was working on an eighty-seven unit on contract for deed, but the seller reneged last minute, so we tanked. Yeah,
0: that'll out. that'll happen. That happens a little bit. So even this um, even this Disney deal you found on Google Maps.
3: This one was actually from YouTube. Uh, one of my YouTube buddies reached out, and said he had a deal that was off market. And he told me the story about it. I was like, that's epic, but he likes to do things. He, he coins it as the lazy way. And this deal was not lazy because they don't have all the systems built out quite yet. And I mean, they, they're running it themselves, but we're trying to figure out how to build out the systems to where we don't have to run it. And so we're getting it at a, a pretty high income compared to the price. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be an active deal for the first six to 12 months. And then we should be able to systematize it and be a little bit less hands-on.
0: Love it. So you guys are going to keep the deal in your portfolio. Are you going to pass it off to a property manager or you guys end up managing these deals yourself?
3: So we, I, I actually started a property management company personally. My old property manager stole a lot of money from me. I uh, had a big falling out with an old business partner who was managing everything and, that was less than fortunate, but, um, a lot of lessons learned
0: kind of of par for the course. Cody and I know exactly how that feels. Don't we, Cody? (laughs) Yes. You go, you go into business with people expecting they're going to carry their weight and then you get into the relationship and you're like, dude, why am I doing all the freaking work?
3: Yeah. It's, it's not fun when people say they're going to do something and then they do the opposite and steal a bunch of money. But, um, multiple six figures later. I think I'm better for it. I haven't gone through it at 20 than going through it in my forties.
0: Oh, you'll go through it in your forties again. (laughs) I mean, you'll go, you'll go through it multiple times. I mean, just as you scale, I mean, especially at your age, you're, you've got multiple different business adventure, you know, ventures going on and there's things that you have no control over, right? Other. One thing I always tell people is that when you get in bed with a business partner, you're also getting in bed with their significant other. And right. you're also getting in bed with their family members, their influences outside of them. So the, everybody the outside or inside of their world um, really plays a part in the way that they make decisions. And so when you're getting in bed with them, you're getting in bed with things that you have no control over. So even when you have awesome partners, sometimes things go awry. And Cody and I both ran into those types of things. I'm sure you'll run into those more and more as you keep going on, which is awesome. It's just part of, par for the course. It'll be an adventure. It will be an adventure. So um, everybody on here, whatever questions you have about multifamily creative finance, please let us know. I know we've been talking, Cody and I have been talking about it for the last couple of months. Um, Cody, you said you're going you're to plan on doing some funds. What kind of funds are you guys doing? Are you guys doing um, Reg D? Or are you guys doing Reg CF? Are you doing Reg A? What, do you, what are you trying to do in a fund model? And are, um, when is that starting? Are you talking to Cody Barton or me? Cody Davis. You said some, something something about bro? you you wanted to start doing funds.
3: Oh, I mean, we're not we're not syndicating.
0: No, I know uh, I know that. You said that well, the syndication and a fund are a little bit different, but you said a little bit earlier you were thinking about going down the fund route.
3: Huh. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I've raised some capital, but mainly as J D.
0: Okay. So those, so, those, uh, those people, your private money lenders end up not being your lenders. They end up being your business partners on the deals. Is that what you're saying?
3: Yeah. I've done a couple of deals where they come in as business partners. I've done other deals where they've just been a lean on title. Uh, I've gone as far as third lean on one deal. I don't really like third lien because it's kind of, you know, adventurous, but,
0: um, yeah, I mean, if the deal's good, the deal's good, you know, whether you're in first, second, third, fourth, or fifth position, if the deal's good, the deal's good. Right. Right, so we took it to sixty percent loan to value
3: on a third. Um, That was that doesn't that doesn't sound
0: too adventurous. I'd do that deal as a third position lender all day long.
3: Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's kind of fun. The story's different, but um, as far as just pulling a ton of just different people into the mix, I'm not a, a huge fan of that. I like to keep things super simple, and I think the more simple you can keep it, the more repeatable it is. And you know, it's cool if you can go do something. Big, you'll buy hundred units. I was looking at a four hundred thirty-two unit seller finance deal at Texas because eventually I want to invest in warmer states. But uh, if it gets too complicated, the story is not repeatable, and then it's not super applicable for other people. So I, I usually just try and keep it to you know one or two people. I'm not a huge fan of the fund
0: model. Got it. Okay, cool. So Adam Upchurch says, how do you recommend someone transitioning from single family housing? Wholesale and flips to focus on multifamily. Do you have any answer for that, um, Cody, number two or Cody number one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd stop looking at single family. I mean, the quickest way to buy multifamily is to just omit everything that's not multifamily. It takes just as much money as Pace can share. I mean, and he's done it many times. Probably, I mean, a lot more than me. Uh, it doesn't cost any more money to buy multifamily. It does caught
0: to a house. So yeah, I would say that the smart way to get started in multifamily is to not think you're going to be Grant Cardone right out of the gate. Right. And I think a lot of people, what they do is they see the big multifamily people that are doing syndications are doing funds and they're doing 200, 300, 400, 500 unit deals. And they're raising 20, 30 million dollars guys. That's like, that's five steps ahead of where you're going to be for the time being. The smart way to get into multifamily is jump into small deals like, um, yeah, Christian Hernández. There's a lot of places you can pull a list. You can pull a list on Batch. You can pull a list on PropStream. You can pull a list on Privy. You can pull a lot of uh, lists on multifamily. source is really good as well. Um, we just started a direct mail campaign for people who have owned their properties for over 20 years. Uh, 25 units to 150 un- 50 units. Because what you find is that in creative finance, in multifamily, the sellers are way savvier than single-family sellers. Okay, So if you guys are going after single-family sellers, you're going to have a little bit harder of a time to explain seller finance to them. Whereas if you talk to a multifamily seller and you bring up terms, seller finance, carry back, whatever, 99.9% of the time, they're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Or I've done it myself. Or that's how I got started. So- the challenge there is you can't go to the 400 unit, the 800 unit, because now they're typically rep being represented by a broker, and a broker doesn't care who you are, what you, what your story is. They want to see letter of intent. They want to see your, um, they want to see your pedigree, right? And they're not happy to go through seller finance typically when you go to the 400, 300, 200 big boy range. Brokers want to get paid right? They want to get their fee. And so they want to make sure they're going to get their fee. They don't want to do a 0% out-of-pocket seller finance deal. And so you're going to get blocked a lot of times as a newbie trying to go and acquire multifamily deals on seller finance. Anything over, I would say, 150 units is what we've learned. So if you go and focus on why 25 units? Well, here's the reality. A 12-unit deal, an 8-unit deal, a four-unit deal, a five-unit deal. These types of deals require as much management as a 50-unit deal does. And the challenge is that management typically requires a full-time handyman or uh, at least a partial handyman and somebody that's collecting rents and staying on top of it. It becomes way more efficient when you have 25, 30, 50 units. And so you kind of want to focus on that sweet range. In fact, Cody, how big was that deal? The one that you just got sent over the seller finance deal with like 5% down?
1: Uh, yeah, it was sixty. It was 64, 67 units in Amarillo, Amarillo, Texas.
0: Great. And that one has 4% seller carry and it's like a 5% down payment, something like that, right? Yeah. Okay, great. So a deal like that makes a lot of sense guys. that's actually being represented by a broker. Okay. that is that being represented by a broker? It's got to be.
1: Yeah, they they have a broker, and the seller finance price is, is, I think it's like $200,000 more if it's a seller carry. If it's not a seller
0: carry, they'll sell it for a little bit less. There you go. And so start with, if you are trying to go this route, guys, first and foremost, you have to make a determination of, do you need today money, or do you need forever money? And when you're first starting out, the question has to be asked, who are you, what resources do you have, and what are you trying to accomplish? If you hate your effing job and you want to quit right now, you should probably be wholesaling and getting some chunks of cash. You shouldn't be acquiring properties. You shouldn't be trying to just focus on cash flow because you need money right now. Now, are there ways that you can structure a, a private money lender to lend money to you on a deal and you can get paid to acquire a deal? Yeah, but you're probably not going to do that on your first deal that requires private money um, intelligence that requires understanding of paperwork that understand that requires you to sell a private money lender on giving you more money than what it cost you to buy the deal coming up with that money and making sure that you get paid up front sure yes it's possible yes people do it all the time but if you're somebody saying i need money next week you should probably be focusing on how do i get a wholesale deal done rather than how do i jump into multifamily Okay. And if you are in multifamily, I'm sorry, if you are a, a wholesaler and you are a fix-and-flipper, it's pretty simple, actually, to start deviating and just acquiring a little multifamily as you go. Now, what Cody's saying is he's saying, just turn off the single-family radar. Just stop looking at single-family. Just turn it off in, in, entirely. But I'm going to guess that Cody Davis – Cody – I imagine you don't have a wife, four kids. You don't have a big mortgage you got to worry about. You might even be potentially living at your parents' house when you first started this.
3: Well, I don't have a wife. I, I don't have any kids. I have a handful of mortgages today, but uh, I'm talking about when you started. No, I'm, I'm actually living in. A, yeah, I'm living in a 500 square foot apartment, paying probably more than I should be. So.
0: Well, but when you first started, uh, yeah, right?
3: With, right. I was licensed as a real estate agent at 19, living with my mom. Moved out at 20, and then I actually started really buying real estate. I bought a 12plex at 19, and moved out shortly thereafter at 20 years old. Bought another 12, then bought a six, and a 38. Amazing. Um, so, guys, I'd remember this:
0: when you guys when you guys are doing this, if you guys are starting at 40 years old. You have a nine to five, you've got a house, you've got kids, you've got two car payments, you've got health insurance and all these kind of things. The story that C- Cody Davis has right now, it cannot be your story. You can't say, hey, I'm going to go full fledged and just start buying and acquiring properties. You, need, you guys need money now, today. Go wholesale some stuff. Okay, go get some cash, go get into it. Don't think that that is your path. I wanted to point that out to you. Now, here's the reality is most people ha- that have had Cody's opportunities just like all of us most people don't start at 19 this dude's literally 20 years ahead of most people 10 years ahead of most people five years ahead of most people it's incredibly impressive however don't ever 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 compare your journey to his if you if your question is how do i start in multifamily and somebody says go focus on multifamily understand your situation's always going to be a little bit different than theirs. If you are somebody that has a job, a wife, children, health insurance, and all these obligations, don't just go and start buying multifamily because here's the other unfortunate thing about multifamily that a lot of people don't tell you. You really don't make a lot of money in multifamily for your first year, your first two years. You really don't. And you're like, wow, I thought I was going to be cash flowing $85,000 a month what the heck is going on? I got to fix this. I got to fix that. I got to fix this, right? Don't think that that's going to put you in a situation where you're just going to scale. Multifamily is a massive wealth builder. And especially for people who have active income, like Cody, myself and Cody, number two, Cody Davis, when you have active income, it's nice to be able to have the ability to depreciate your um, income against your properties. Okay. Um. Christian Hernandez says, what do you recommend for someone like me? Very different story. I would say Christian Hernandez is one of the greatest closers in the nation. Okay? This dude's closing creative finance deals weekly. Christian, it's the easiest thing for you, dog. You could go and acquire 200 deals by the end of the year, 200 doors by the end of the year in seller finance multifamily. Incredibly simple for you. Go pull a list between 25 and 150 units call them the same way you guys are already doing this in your single family business and have the same conversations with them and go lock those things up on seller carry. It's incredibly easy. Okay. Some people, there you go. Um, Daniel Keanu says, when I was 19, I was floating outside of Bosnia. So we can't compare our journeys to each other. Right. Uh, oh, this is it. Where you focus grows, right? What you focus on expands. That is a very true thing. So the reality, and Grin's, Grin's world says, thanks, Pace. Some people really need to hear that. They need to hear that Cody, um, Cody Davis's story cannot be your story. It's inspiring and it's amazing. And you definitely can start utilizing some of the strategies and tactics that he's talking about, but don't feel like you need to go out tomorrow and buy a 12plex on seller finance um, as your first deal. Okay. Um Cody Barton what's the minimum cash reserves a single person needs to buy the sweet spot 25 unit multi units I have zero debt Interesting that's like that's a hard question to answer
1: and I'll let Cody Davis chime in on it too but it's like are those C class properties B class like A class are those you know built in the sixties and they haven't been renovated at all. Are they, you know, newer, new, newly built in the last couple of years? I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors that are going to come into that. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts, Cody on, on, on what you think that somebody should have?
3: Yeah. As far as reserves go, uh, I'm a true believer that you can scale as fast and as far as you want to scale if you're meeting with people that have a good heart and, so, as far as reserves go, uh, you don't need reserves if you have enough cash flow coming in on the first. If you knew you had 100 grand coming in on the first that you didn't have to spend, you wouldn't need to keep money in the bank. And it's a little bit less conventional than a lot of people, but I, I've never had a higher earned income ever. Um, my highest earned income ever was a gymnastics coach at the YMCA, and I made 10 grand in a year. Odds are you probably make more than that. And you'll probably have more expenses. But if you knew you had enough money coming in, um, you don't have to keep a bunch of money in the bank. So the way that I operate is I just keep buying with two buying criteria. How do I buy it? How do I never lose it on long-term fixed rate debt? Typically seller finance. There's some other ways around that in the creative space. Uh, But if I can just keep buying cash flow uh, and I keep increasing my cash flow over my expenses, then I don't need to keep reserves. And that is... Uh, against what conventional wisdom says
0: well i here's i i actually agree with you entirely i'm a little bit more on the non-conventional side of things i'm less concerned about my reserves than i am about buying a good deal and so people overthink and the challenge with this is like the conventional wisdom is typically the conventional wisdom that's giving out guys there people that are on youtube guess what we're doing we're trying to give you a generic answer that the generic human being in a generic situation can use in their generic um, deal. So when you guys are learning, how does the person teaching you on YouTube know who you are as an individual? Just press enter. Okay, how do they know you as an individual? They don't know you as an individual. So the challenge is the advice that they're giving you is advice that they're trying to play safe and be, be kind of generic. For me, if I have a deal that I'm buying seller finance and my payment to my seller is $10,000, but my rents are coming in and they're $15,000, I look at that and I go, I can build my reserves in the first couple of months. I can build my reserves in the first couple of months. In fact, Cody Barton and and I have done that multiple times where we've built our reserves on our deals. Cody Davis looks uh, looks like he's left from the studio. Uh, I think he's having issues with his camera or something like that. Um, I think he had somebody I think he had somebody helping him out or something like that on on his camera. So um, i I care way less about the um reserves because the goal is for your house to build the reserves for you. Now, that is way better in my mind, is that you structure a good deal that you can acquire and then your cash flow that comes in you then tuck that to the side. Cody, are we tucking money to the side on our, our our deals? Oh, 100%. I mean,
1: we don't even take any of our money from our rentals or our Airbnbs. We're just rolling those because, I mean, the the thing is like, and that's why I think Pace made a really great point of like, we're giving generic answers for like a general audience because everyone's situation is different. Me and Pace have really high Active income, where we are not trying to add on top of having more active income, more ordinary income. We have to continue rolling that into more properties so that we could try to depreciate and reduce our tax liability. So that's the situation that we're in. Now, you know, starting sure maybe you you know I, honestly I just don't think it even makes sense to really take a ton of money from like cash flow of your you know whether it's your Airbnbs or your rentals so you can maximize it and grow the portfolio until you reach your portfolio goal if your goal is to get 20 to 20 properties or 30 properties and you're like all right I'm good then yeah start taking from that from that cash flow but for us like we're we, we build the reserve, like Pay said, with the cash flow that's coming in. And then once it reaches the threshold of where we want it to be, then anything over that, it's like, all right, that's going to start going towards more properties.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot, I was telling people this the other day of like, you guys don't realize, but people that are millionaires and multimillionaires actually don't really um, live on their cash flow. It it sounds weird because we all talk about like, oh, we're going to go live on our cash flow. And to a certain degree, you do for a while, but then it starts compounding and growing. And you start taking your cash flow and just rolling it into the next deal and the next deal and the next deal. Last time I checked, I, I looked at our bank account actually today and we've got a big chunk of money sitting in our rental account. And that's just either reserves or money maybe sitting there ready for the next deal. Is that right?
1: Yeah. If you're talking, if you're looking at the rent ready account, that's for, uh, uh, building the back unit on lemon. If that was the one you were looking at. Oh, is that what we're doing? Yeah. If we can get the city to approve it, going through some hoops with it right now, but that is the plan with that money.
0: (laughs) Um, okay. Got it. All right, cool. So Talking about the properties, what's the status of the, de- the deal you were doing with Jerry Norton, Cody Barton? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying the house. Um, the It's an interesting thing, guys. It's a $2.5 million deal with half a million dollars down. The challenge is it's a phenomenal house, but it's also 5,000 square feet on an acre. And Cody and his um, significant other don't have like a massive family, literally four of those bedrooms would go unused. You, I don't even think you guys could create enough things to do in those bedrooms. Yeah. I mean, and that's where it's just like, I,
1: I want to move into a house like that, but I think it's like, yeah, maybe in like another year, honestly, my bigger motivation is having a bigger house that just has really more garage space. I just want to have more cars, like more bedrooms. I'm like, we use all the bedrooms in our house that we're in now. That's three bedrooms, but like five, six bedrooms starts to be like, I don't, I don't have a use for all. The
0: <laughs> it's tough all the too. Day. Cause it's like, what else could you use that money for? And also the cost of a house like that on a monthly basis is not just the mortgage payment, right? Which you could afford. It's like, okay, well now I've got landscape maintenance, pool maintenance, water, gas, all these kind of things, literally a two and a half million dollar home on an acre. The power bill is as much money as somebody's like the regular mortgage payment that most people have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So super dope house, but there'll be another dope one. In Anthony
0: Rocha's pace. Could we ask a non multifamily question? Yeah. I don't know what happened. I'm co. I'm texting Cody Davis. He kept popping on and off, on and off, on and off. I think it happened like three or four times. And he's saying that he thinks he got like blocked from the system or something. I'm looking at him right now, texting him and he thinks that he got blocked or something. So Uh, Pace, why don't you buy it, Carly Romer? That's a really great question. I, bro, I got eleven thousand five hundred square foot house with a guest house. I don't, I don't know that I need that house. You know, pace would be be downsizing. (laughs) But then again, the down payment is half a million dollars, right? Which is perfectly appropriate. It's twenty percent down on a two and a half million dollar house, five percent interest with a thirty year note. It's an amazing deal, especially for a buyer like yourself, Cody. That's a business owner, but I think it, the challenge is that you've really got to make a determination when you're making money. Like, where do I spend my money? Where's the velocity, stronger, faster, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you live off if you don't live off your cash flow? We live off all of our businesses, our wholesale income, our fix and flip income. We live off of our other businesses, title company ownership, lending businesses. We, we have all sorts of businesses we own. right? And so the cash flow that we have, We just choose to, that money comes into our our real estate business account. I guess technically, you could say we live off the cash flow. Technically, you could make the argument that we go, hey, because of our cash flow on our properties, it allows us to go and live on other income. And that income just continues to compound. It doesn't mean you will not be able to live on your cash flow. It just means that we're more aggressive when we go build businesses, when we see there's an opportunity and those businesses the income from those businesses are not going into bank accounts tied to real estate. And so that typically is where we pay our paychecks. However, the rental income that comes in on these properties goes into a bank account that is also the bank account that goes out and acquires more more property. So that just is so easy to continually allow that money to compound into future deals. And so that's, I think by de facto, I think that money just stays in there and we're, oh, we're going to buy another deal. It wouldn't make sense for us to go, let's pull our cash flow out so we can tell people we live on cash flow. And then let's take our money from our other business and go buy that with real estate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, well, what?
1: And it's, and it's that there's like a certain point too. It's like, you don't need more cash for personal living. Like you, you don't like, so it's like, why not use that other cash to invest more and continue snowballing? your net worth, and your overall cash flow.
0: Yeah, The uh, so uh, Hayes Trap TV says, Pace, what are your thoughts on buying your first home on seller finance? Hayes Trap, I wa- I if I could go the rest of my life, I would never buy another house as long as I lived on, without creative finance. My first house, my second house, my 700th house, I don't want to do any more cash deals. They suck. I hate them. It's boring. There's no great story involved with it. Creative finance all day, every day, baby. Do it. Ingrid. Great question.
1: Do you guys have someone reviewing your assets so you don't forget about balloons and things like that? Yes, we just hired someone. Her name is Heidi and she is awesome. Uh, We just hired her. It's been this week will be a month that she's been on working with us. And so she's responsible for tracking all of our assets, making sure if there's any balloons coming up, that there's a there's a plan in place reviewing how properties are performing on Airbnb, if there's a better use for them, and then doing the same thing on the rentals, seeing which ones are performing well, which ones aren't. And then so we can strategize and like, you know, Pace and I were talking about uh, one of our houses earlier on this call, uh, we can look at, well, this property maybe has a bunch of equity, but it's not cash flowing well. Can we sell that? 1031 it into something else that would be able to perform better. So that's what Heidi's job is Ingrid on our team is working on those properties and, you know, helping us grow our portfolio and just having a, you know, having her eye on it. Cause I mean, me and pace just can't really be paying attention as much as we'd like to anymore.
0: Um, check that out. Check it out. Uh, P- uh Matt Beard says pace taught me sub two. I bought my personal house sub two loved it and lived in it for two years, just sold it net $205,000 life-changing. And then I believe he bought his next property on seller finance, the goat farm, right? No, he he got that one. That was cash. It was a wholesale deal though, like off market cash deal.
1: And did what's he doing with the
0: goats? Is he turning them into goat chops or what's he doing?
1: No, he had a bunch of other farmers come and just take the goats for their farms.
0: and <laughs> <laughs> Freaking crazy. Absolutely freaking crazy. Um, Okay. So here we go. Uh, Caesar Cano, can you 1031 a property and get something more than 200%? Hmm. That's a great question. If I sold my property at 500, can I roll that into something at a million dollars? I actually don't know the answer to that question. That's a great question. We should bring in our 1031 exchange guy in here and have him as a special guest. That'd be great. Um, Bo Howard says pace and Cody, if someone does a cash out refi and sells on sub two, do they have to eventually pay capital gains? Bo Howard's still talking about it. bro. Are you, we talking about your deal with your family member? I already gave you the advice on this. I love you. You're handsome. We need to get on the phone with the CPA to go through that, that person's specific deal. He's got to deal with a family member. Um, X factor. How much is the mentorship fee? It's sold out. It's, there's no way that you can get in. I'm so sorry. Um, Sadie, I want to purchase my next live-in-house sub two. Easy. Easy, easy. Go go look up the foreclosures. Cody, is that where you, if you wanted to get a sub two deal today, where would you go to get a sub two deal? Go after pre-foreclosures
1: all day. That would be the only one I would focus on.
0: Yep. Free pre-foreclosures. Um Let's see. What are, what's another really hot list? Expired listings is really hot right now. So many, yeah. in fact, uh, two of the deals I just bought outside of the state of Arizona are expired listings, no arrears. They're not in foreclosures. Sellers were just like our agents couldn't sell the house and, um, uh, they sold it to a on sub two expired listings, go to expired listings, foreclosures. Um, people that are going through bankruptcy are really good as well. B- basically any pain point is going to have, um, that oh, or Fizbo's Fizbo's are another really, really good. Emperor one. Where Matt got his personal home from was a, a VA loan Fizbo. Um, okay, cool. So Jasper son says, I have a lead who has a first and second mortgage on the house. She's interested in an innovation agreement. What are some things I should have? Uh, I have to look out for uh, call Tevin and work with Tevin as a real estate agent. How can I integrate sub two seller finance to better serve my buyers? Interesting. Well, Uh, The most important thing you need to be able to do, Spencer, is if you understood how many deals are actually being sold on market right now as an agent, there are thousands of deals being sold all over the country on seller finance. Agents don't understand that their sellers actually are benefited by selling on seller finance higher um, in a lot of uh, cases. They get more money. They get long-term interest. uh, They defer their capital gains. There's all sorts of amazing benefits of selling on seller finance. So the main thing that I would do, Spencer, is when you're talking to your listing clients, I would offer terms as a solution for them to get a higher amount of money. And then right there, you say, how do I integrate with and better serve my buyers? Well, bring those opportunities to your buyers. Somebody like me, I would buy those deals all day long.
1: Okay. When um, I wanna grab this one, this is a good one. So, mm-hmm. so Josh is asking, Thoughts on doing a 203K on a triplex to cover repairs. So for those that are like, what the heck is a 203K? So there is a program through, I believe it's FHA, it's First Time Home Buyers Program, where the 203K portion of this loan, the bank will actually lend you the money to do the renovations on the property that you're going to be living in. And so I think it's a great idea if you're going to be living in the property to use that for a duplex, triplex, fourplex, because you can get into multiple units. You could live in one of those units, fix them up with, that, with the bank's money, and then be able to cash flow and have the property fixed up to, the, to what it needs to be to be rented out. I think that's a great idea.
0: Love that. Um, ooh, should you ever buy a physically distressed property sub two? Yes, we buy them frequently all the time. The challenge where this question comes from is, and I, I assume this is where it's coming from, but you get a lot of people that like assume every creative finance deal is like zero down, 0% interest, no renovation, no this. And I'm just taking over it. Yeah, guys, we, we take over a lot of properties sub two that need a renovation. Absolutely. Love that. Hey, Cody Davis figured out how to get back. I was literally in the process of just texting you. Boom. You got back in, dog? Here you are. All Did right. Did you switch computers?
3: No, I actually uh, switched Gmails. I'm using my buddy Christian's Gmail. I don't know what happened, but I got booted
0: and um, Was it when you dropped your phone or your camera?
3: No, I, it wasn't even that. I'm not sure. <laughs> but
0: you kept popping in and out of the backstage and we were I was like I tried to pull you up a couple of times. You had two cameras on at one point hmm. And one of them I couldn't pull up. I don't know. It was know. Like blocked. I well, you're know. back, bro. You're back. Good, to see, it. You. You Good to see you. You made it. Okay, here we go. Uh, how do you negotiate the agent commission for an on-market deal that is not selling flat fee or negotiate? Should you do a flat fee or negotiate the commission? Want to pay them, but the commission is a killer. What would you say, Pace? Everything comes down to what the buyer is willing to pay. So, Carolina, you're sitting here trying to negotiate before you've actually had a conversation with a buyer or you know what a buyer would be willing to pay. We pay, seller, we pay agents commissions on creative finance deals frequently. Hey, I just paid a $200,000 fee on somebody who brought me a creative finance multifamily deal. All day long, we pay commissions as long as it makes sense. If the terms make sense, you pay the commissions, Okay. And so you start the conversation, Carolina. You're great on the phone, by the way. So I'm speaking this, uh, speaking through you. Um, If you are speaking with an agent, you start out by saying, if I could get you paid on your commissions, can we work out a creative solution for your seller? Something that works for them, something that works for me, and make sure that you get paid. The only time I'm ever really trying to negotiate an agent out of their commission is if they had an expired listing or the agent, the listing is about to expire. I don't want to be known as a guy who's trying to whittle agents down all the time. And so here's some good advice for you guys. Stop calling agents when they have a deal that's only been on the market for three days. Cody, you're an agent, Cody Davis and Cody Barton, but Cody Barton, you're an agent when you had listings or you worked in the agent realm, did you appreciate when people called you up on day one of your listing and tried to lowball you on some stuff?
1: No, definitely not. It's like when you're like thirty days, sixty days, ninety days into your listing is when you're like, All right, I need to try to find another solution. But yeah, definitely not anything in the first first week. And and if the agent, Carolina, is just being a butthole about the commission. They're just being a deal killer. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like if you can't pay that amount and make the deal still work for you, then it's just there's no deal. And then you could just wait for it to expire, and that turd is going to get paid $0, and then you can call the seller after their agreement is expired.
0: So, Caroline Allen, she says, I'm the buyer. Well, of course she is, and then she's going to sell it to me, probably. So, um, hold on a second. Let me, let's, let's figure out what her situation is. Hi, what's up you better mute me in the background i did how you doing
2: good how are you Happy i'm Sunday. so
0: much better i heard your voice memo to my wife and it meant so much to me that you sent her that that made her feel good too. Uh, she's
2: amazing I,
1: I appreciate her
0: so and um here, here's my question to you so you're the buyer
1: uh-huh
0: okay so if you paid them a commission you would have to go raise the capital for the deal. And if you raise the capital for the deal and paid them the commission, does it still cash flow?
1: It will. Yes, I believe so. Um, I'm looking to maybe do like a wrapper, like a lease tone on
0: oh, it. Okay. And, um, and why, are, why aren't you selling the deal to me? <laughs> Cause it's in Oregon. You hate blue States. I, uh, yeah, you're right. You got me right. You got me there. I don't, yeah. I don't like the blue States. So this is a deal that is being represented by an agent. Have you spoken mm-hmm. to the agent yet?
1: I did, and that was her. Her main concern was my buyer is, or my seller is going to ask about the commissions.
0: No, they ain't. They don't give a shit about know, your commissions. That's
1: exactly what I was thinking, but I just let her.
0: In, let her say in her. fact, every seller that sells a property and they look at the final settlement statement, like, why did I pay this knucklehead so much freaking mm-hmm. money to sell my property?
1: Well, and on top of it, this property's been on market for ninety days, so mm. they, she's not moving it. <laughs>
0: Um, okay. So what I would do is I would submit an offer first and foremost, Cody Barton, you would need to correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is it illegal for an agent not to represent or not to submit an offer to their seller?
1: I don't know if it is in every state, but in Arizona, uh, going back to my continuing education that I've lost took like five years ago, I believe you have to present an offer to your client. I think you have to present the offer in Arizona. I don't know if it's the same in every state, but doesn't mean they will. Not all agents are ethical, so they might not.
0: Yeah, so a- agents are required to uh, present all offers to their clients as far as I'm concerned. I've never heard otherwise. And so, Carolina, if you don't feel like you can, can, nego- you can negotiate directly with the seller, um, first off, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't need, I don't, I'm not asking this to beat you up, Okay. why are you reaching out to agents listings to try and negotiate creative finance if you don't want to work with agents on creative finance?
1: I just, most of my deals have been off market, but since you did the elephant challenge, I was using that as a, Great. you know, another way to market.
0: Okay, perfect. And I do love that you're reaching out to them on 90 days mm-hmm. and the agent's first question should not be, well, my seller's going to ask about the commissions. No, they're not. They don't care about you and your stupid commissions. Um, So that's fine. And that's perfectly fine. What I would do is I would say, um, well, it kind of depends, right? If the, so let's role play. You're the agent. I'm, I'm Carolina Allen. Okay. Okay. I don't sound as happy as you do. So I'm not going to be able to emulate that part of you. Okay. 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 um, What's the agent's name? Knucklehead. Uh, Brittany. Okay. Hey, um, hey Brittany. It's Carolina. How you doing?
2: Good. Yourself?
0: Good. Hey, I was sitting here trying to negotiate, or not negotiate, but I was trying to structure out what I could pay on the commissions. But then I realized I'm trying to get the cart way before the horse. The most important part of this deal is going to be what terms your seller are going to be open to before I could figure out what commissions I could pay. Have you any idea what your seller would be open to on the creative finance front so that I could back in and figure out what commissions would be affordable?
1: I like
0: that. Okay. There's your answer.
1: Yep. Love it.
0: It's like, why are we trying to negotiate? What, like we haven't even got on our first date and you're trying to ask me what day are we, am I going to propose to you? True. You know, yeah. use some analogy, Carolina, you're super smart. You're super eloquent. I would use an analogy of like, well, that's kind of like trying to ask me if we're going to get married and we haven't even got on for the first date is as, as in my experience in these types of transactions is that the seller is the first step. We got to go to the seller and figure out what they're open to. And based on what they're open to, then we can figure out what the commission structure will look like and give, give that third party, that fictitious third party story to that um, agent and force their hand to go and talk to the seller. Perfect. And if they say, well, what have you done with sellers in the past? You go, well, you know, some good, some bad, but here's the one you probably don't want to hear. I've done a lot of zero down, 0% interest on seller finance because I was willing to give the seller the number, And but I don't know if your seller's open to that. So we got to figure out what's your seller open for, and if they're the bank, essentially in a seller finance situation, I'm not going to go in demanding what the bank gives me as a loan, right? Use all the analogies that you and I have, have gone through and talked about, uh-huh. But the first one we want to do is the, is tell them the story of, I feel like we're kind of getting the cart, but way before the horse here, I, in order to structure your commissions, I got to figure here, here's a great, here's a great thing. Okay. Check this out. Here's a great Mm -hmm. analogy. Um, I go into a car dealership and before I even offer anything on the car that I really want this, the, 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 Uh, the question I have for the sales guy is what's my, what's my sales tax on that car? Okay. Is that physically possible for me to figure out the sales tax on a car without, without me even working out what the price is? No, of course not. Then what are we trying to do? Come up with the sales price, the sales tax before I even come up with the sales price. Okay. That's what, that's what your dummy agent is trying to do. It's like, I need to know what the sales tax is on this deal before I know what the sales price is. That is physically impossible.
1: Right. And she sounded really on board with the creative piece, but uh-huh. then later on she texted me asking about the commission and I wasn't 100% sure how to respond to that because I've heard you do flat fees before. Or I,
0: I've, d- I've done flat fees, Carolina. Again, remember, everything's out of context. So the flat fees I've done with people is that they were at the five and a half month mark and I was like, get out of my way. I'll pay you 2,500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone.
1: Gotcha. But okay. then
0: there, then there's people that have been involved in a seller finance deal, like a, a, a really great deal that hasn't even hit the market yet. They haven't even listed it, and the seller's about to list the property, and somebody comes to me who's an agent and says, "I've got this off market seller finance deal that's freaking blazing hot.
1: Mm.
0: I want, I don't want a commission. I want an assignment fee of two hundred grand." I go done.
1: Nice. Okay. So
0: it depends on what scale I'm at, right? And the scale you're at is this person's been on market for 90 days. Brittany, who I've teased and called her a knucklehead just for entertainment purposes. She sounds nice. Yep. I I would send her a voice memo as long as she has an Android or an an iPhone. (laughs) Okay. And if she hasn't, literally, I I send a lot of voice memos and I would say, hey, Brittany, I was just thinking about this. And I was like, you know, here I am trying to, uh, you know, structure your commission And we haven't even figured out the price or what the seller's open to in terms. And I was really thinking it's kind of like trying to come up with the sales tax on buying a new car if I haven't even negotiated the price of the new car. It's physically impossible. And so why don't we just start with the sales price of the car first so we can figure out what the sales tax is going to be?
1: That's perfect.
2: I
0: just came up with that on the spot. So feel free to use that.
1: You're you're so good. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, One more question. How long does a listing agent agreement typically
0: last? Uh, Standard is six months. Okay. Okay. Most sellers don't even know that because the agents are not um, convincing or not convincing them, but not educating them on that. But they have a six month agreement as a standard nationwide. Okay. There are some agents that are manipulative and they'll say stuff like, we're going to have a listing agreement. That goes six months, but even if you sell it after I fail to perform, I still have to be paid my commissions up to a year or two years. I literally, this just happened. You know, Sandy White, new to the mentorship. Mm -hmm. So her and I just did a sub two deal. She sold the deal to me and we went and opened up title and there's a real estate agent has a lien on the property for $9,000, which is their commission. And their listing agreement, we, they they attached their listing agreement to the lien and it stated they had a six month listing agreement. But if that seller sold the property at any point in the next 14 years, that no. seller is owes that agent 14 grand and they actually leaned the property for $14,000 and it was 100% legal. You know why?
1: I have no idea. That's horrible.
0: They were, they gave the seller a little bit of cash when they did the agreement and they basically bought their way into there's some weird loophole and there's, it's a, there's a company nationwide. They do this nationwide. Oh my gosh. And they're, they have agents in every state and they're locking up sellers in long-term listing agreements and they're giving the seller something like, Hey, they're going to sellers that are like in foreclosure And in some sort of forbearance or some sort of situation, go, hey, let us list your property. We'll give you a little bit of cash to help you out, pay for groceries, blah, 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 blah. And they're essentially investing $1,500, getting people, getting, getting through these state loopholes. And they're then putting these liens against people's properties for 14 years. Holy cow. That's awful. Yeah. We, I ended up at the, the, um, my attorney, Sean St. Clair, as you know, he's come in the mentorship a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. He he was like, do you want to fight this? We can fight this. I go, dude, how long is that going to take? And how much money is that going to take? I'd rather just pay it. So we wired $9,000 on that deal two weeks ago and I just wiped out the agent.
1: Dang. That
0: was a listing agreement that was over three years old. Oh my gosh. So it does happen. Weird things like that pop up, but Ninety-nine percent of the time, the listing agreement is going to be six months. Now, here's the other part, okay? Very important. In a lot of listing agreements, agents that are ethical and forthright, what they do is they say, "Hey, if I if you go and find a deal or a buyer on your own, you can buy me out of my listing agreement for five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or whatever." But you have to see the actual listing agreement to see what those terms are. Okay, Okay. so I get a lot of students who will come to me and go, well, how do I find out what that listing agreement is? I go, well, you're already talking to the seller, right? In your situation, Caroline, I know you're not talking to the seller. Right. But a lot of students are already cold calling sellers and the seller says, well, I'm working with an agent, but they haven't sold my house, so I'll let you know. And then the student says, well, how do I get them out of their listing agreement? I go, well, do you have a copy of the listing agreement? No, Uh Pace, I don't. Okay. Well, if you don't have a copy of the listing agreement, then I can't coach you along. We need to get a copy. They go get a copy. We find out that they can buy the seller. The seller can buy the agent out for 500 bucks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So unfortunately you don't have direct access to the, the, the seller. You're just speaking to Brittany, the agent, right? Right. Right. So what I would do is I would start with the sales tax analogy Okay. and I would get her to, um, I would get her to recognize that she's getting the cart way before the Mm horse, And I would just make it sound like it's an impossible thing, right? Like I don't want you to go to her and say, Hey, I really don't want to work on, you know, your commission because we haven't even worked out the price of the house. This kind of seems like I'm kind of wasting my time. That's not your personality. I'm not saying it towards you. I'm saying it for you, for everybody else in the audience. Okay. Right. Right. So, um, I, would go to her and say hey I, you know i really put a lot of time and energy and like trying to pencil this out but the re- i realized that i'm trying to figure out the sales tax of me buying a car before i've even negotiated the purchase price of the car like i I've, i'm having a physical impossibility of figuring out your commissions before we figure out the sales price so i we need to figure out what your seller's willing to do in terms of price down payment interest rate and length of time and then based on that, I can tell you what your commission would end up being.
2: Amazing. Thank you. She's getting a call tomorrow.
0: Amazing. Good job. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Guys. Okay. So hopefully that was helpful for a lot of people. Um, there are a couple of people that are like, um, yeah, that, that's, an, that's an interesting, they're not even doing r- real estate, just getting unsuspecting people to sign these long agreements. Yeah, They found a loophole. Super smart. Um, Marcia uh, Gedden says that should be illegal. I should, you know what, I should do is I'm going to bring on Sean St. Clair, our attorney, on Wholesale Hotline. And I'm going to have Sean show you that, guys, that agreement and how it actually is legal. It is actually legal. The way they structured this, it's genius. They had an attorney do it. Our attorney looked at it. He's like, oh my gosh, this is going to take you time, energy, and money. Okay. Um, anyway, so hopefully this was good. I, I lost a little bit of momentum with, uh, Cody Davis. We lost him for a little bit. Are you, what camera are you using? Are you using a phone, or laptop? What are you using
3: right now I'm on my laptop? I tried to log in. I had to log in with a, a separate email. I got booted out for some reason from my personal email. So I logged in with my buddies.
0: How did, how did you, how can people get a hold of you and reach out to you and collaborate with you, whether it's, you know, private money or bringing deals to you or collaborating with you, watching your YouTube channel, how can people get a hold of you?
3: Yeah. So if you want to message me on Instagram, Cody D 2020, I've been advised by a lot of people not to give out my number, but I do. So if you have something you want to chat about two, five, three, three, eight, nine, three, zero, zero, five. Uh, not sure why the tech difficulty was today, but, uh,
0: Happy give chat. give your cell phone out again in your um, Instagram in the side chat, because a lot of people are listening to this while they drive, um, and it's hard for them to type it out. So make sure you put it there, okay? okay. And um, bro, it's so great having you tonight. We we are three minutes past our time on uh, Sunday service. I appreciate you coming in. Hey, thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Um. All right. Um. Yeah, guys, what I'll do is I'll bring in Sean St. Clair on that. Richard Lycon says, I have a multifamily deal that is above my pay grade. Guys, if you want to do a multifamily deal with me, um, please send me an email or send Molly an email, molly at America Home Offers. Um, I have a couple of deals that are going on right now. One of them is a um, deal that I am keeping. People have brought the deal to me. I'm funding it. I'm um, making sure all the money's there, all that kind of stuff and I'm keeping them on as a part owner. Okay. So if you guys run into multifamily stuff, please make sure that you guys come to us. I'd love to do a deal with you. It'd be a blast. And um, I'll, I'll even potentially keep you on as an owner, depending on how we want to end up structuring it. Okay. Um, where can I find a seller finance contract or a sub two contract, hire an attorney or become a sub two student? I give out probably $80,000 worth of contracts that have cost me seven years of my life and the right attorneys bouncing from this attorney to that attorney and revising them so many times. I don't give those away. I, um, equip and train my students with them. So either a become a sub two student, B work with a sub two student and do a deal with them and get the paperwork from them that way. Um, unfortunately the way that works is that every transaction, novation agreement, lease option, sub two, seller finance, wraps, um, uh, all every uh, Morby method, all the documents that we utilize for each individual transaction is a different document. It's a different contract. And so you would have to go and do all of those types of deals in order to obtain those contracts or go hire an attorney and spend the money um, to have them draft that kind of stuff. Okay, uh, What's Cody number two's number or contact? He put it in the side chat a couple of times. Um, let me see if he's put it down there. You guys just got to scroll through and grab it. He did definitely put it in there. Okay. Um, next level lifestyle. What agency was that? Or will it come up on the liens? When we pull a lien list, I have a mortgage. I wouldn't want to do, to do business with that agency. Great question. I don't know off the top of my head. My team typically deals with that and I will bring them in. I will bring Sean St. Clair into wholesale hotline and made a note of it. And I will bring him in and we'll actually bring the company name up on the screen. And we'll actually walk through that. It cost me nine grand. So I'm, I'm, Pissed off about the nine grand. I mean, we'll end up making hundred G's on that deal, but still, man. Oh my gosh. Um, Pace, would you pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars over market value on a seller finance deal if it was zero down, zero percent interest, and it's still cash flow to five hundred dollars a month? Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, I would. If there's no balloon, why wouldn't I? Uh, that, bro, we don't buy we don't buy deals based on value. We buy deals based on cash flow right because the cash flow pays down the value over time. So you're going to give me $500 of free cash flow every single month for that deal? I kind of feel like that's not a real deal that's just a question you're trying to ask me. So um great question. Um absolutely yes. Okay? All right guys, thank you so much for Sunday service. Next week we are actually starting something really fun. We're going to start a 12 part, I think either 12 part or a 15 part series going through step by step by step by step week in and week out of where should I start? Okay. The next week is what's my next step. The next week is my next step. The next week is my steps, my next step on how to go get your first creative finance deal. Okay. So next week is where should I start? If I'm brand new, I'm going to tell you exactly where you should start. And uh, you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be the beginning of a 12 part series. So what's going to happen is you're going to show up on week three and you're going to wait, what happened to part one, two? Well, we did those already. So next week, we will be doing part one, which is where do I start in creative finance? How do I go and get my first deal? Okay. And uh, we will make sure that we help you guys out. All right. So appreciate you guys. Sunday service is the freaking best. I appreciate you guys showing up here for us and giving us the love and support. We had about 650 people watching live tonight um, between our couple of YouTube channels and our Facebook group. We'll see you guys next week.